news is one of the most insightful businesswomen that I know. Sarah is absolutely amazing. Sarah's wisdom, enthusiasm, and positive outlook on life motivates me to be a better person. Her ability to see the very best in people is just awesome. Sarah's coaching and mentoring inspired me to become an entrepreneur. What an inspiration. Welcome to the Destined for Greatness podcast, where we believe that each person is destined for greatness. I am your host, Sarah Noose, and I'm joined by my handsome co-host, who's my husband, Adam. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing great. Oh, this episode is so exciting. It's with Matt Hansen, a professional triathlete. So cool. I love it. I know. Me too. You know, when I was talking to him, I was thinking back to when I first learned about triathlons and it was you. Yeah. I was on my way to being a pro triathlete. Yeah. You could have given him some serious competition. I could have. But you didn't. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So I feel like this is kind of more your wheelhouse because you experienced it. Can you explain to our listeners what um, a triathlon is? Yeah. So it was pretty fun that when I first got into a triathlon, I saw an ad for it and it was a sprint triathlon so it was a fairly short one and so we decided that we were going to rent a bike Mm -hmm. and we were going to compete in it It is brian mayhood and i and we were going to how hard could it be (laughs) and tell us what the things are for people who don't know it's a run bike swim swim bike run so you start with a swim okay and in our first one we almost drowned okay it was a lot further than we thought it was and we (laughs) thought we were better swimmers right and then you go to bike and then you finish with a run but what Matt does is Ironmans, which Iron are Man. uh, yeah. huge accomplishments and something that people usually get tattoos for doing. <laughs> Chad, it's that big of a deal. Milam. Um, yeah. But you start off with a 2.4 mile swim, which is 100 and something laps in a pool. Wow. So it's a, a long way swimming. I for sure would drown in that. You would drown. Yes. <laughs> but then the next one, and usually those are open water, sometimes in mm. oceans. So uh, pretty amazing that they do that. Yeah. Uh, but then they go on and do a 112 mile bike ride mm-hmm. and then finish with a marathon, 26.2 miles. Insane, insane. And he's one of the top in the world. And what was so cool about interviewing him is he shared some personal stories of him on the track racing, um, him swimming and how he was, he said, like, I wanted to just make sure that I kept hitting the guy's feet in front of me. So he knew I was there. And I was like, wow. And one of the things that we talked about is the mental toughness that has to go along with this kind of training. I mean, I think we've talked about this before at CrossFit. They say, go to your dark place. And I'm like, I don't have a dark place. And if I do, I don't want to go there. You know, I'm scared of the dark, but these people do like they have to mentally go into a different, I don't know, gear mentally to be able to succeed in this. And I think that's just powerful. Yeah. And one of the things they talk a lot about is that fourth sport Mm -hmm. in a triathlon is the nutrition and that um, mental training of trying to uh, get yourself into that dark place, and and that's something we talk about in CrossFit. That right. all those workouts we do, we don't we don't train ourselves <laughs> in that dark place. No. But you see the people that are really good at it. Right, they can get to that dark place and still 
succeed and just be laser focused. I just think that's amazing. And our good friend, Chad Smith was the one who recommended Matt Hansen to us. And I'm so thankful because I learned so much just about life too, you know, thinking about, he set his mind on something. He had a season in his life where he had a full-time job and he had to take that jump into, okay, am I going to be a professional athlete? And so he talks on our podcast about that journey to making that decision. And really he took action. And then to be able to be a professional athlete, you really have to step up your game. Um, and we're recording this a little bit early, but, um, yesterday, no, two days ago, he compete competed or competes. Now I'm messing this up. You got it. Okay. In the Kona, which is the world championship in Hawaii. That's right. Okay. So this is something that he set out. Like this is his major goal. So by the time this airs, we will know how he did, but I believe the race is on September. No, October 12th is when his race is. And so if you're listening to this podcast, you need to look it up and see how Matt Hansen did. And Kona is a special, special event. It's people all around the world. And then there's a few lucky ones that get in, right? Yeah. You know, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. It's so fun to watch it on TV, mm-hmm. watching those people grind through uh, what is probably the, the hardest um, athletic event that you can do. And yeah. it, you have to qualify for it. Some people do get in. Uh, outside of that but watching it online and watching it on television it's unbelievable the passion and the training that had to go through to get what they're doing and and matt's finishing these ironmans in about eight hours but Mm -hmm. a lot of people are taking 16 hours and what really gets you are those people that get to 16 hours but they're not done and they Mm -hmm. have to is that the time limit is 16 hours i think it's 16 hours 16 hours okay but it's usually really dark at night and they're, yeah. they have uh, lights on Lashes. their head. And, and they're, they're like barely walking because they're so... I remember one year you were watching it and I think our kids were little and I came downstairs and I believe from my recollection, you had tears in your eyes because these people were barely making it and then somebody fell and you were like, oh my gosh, they've put in all this work and now they're not even going to cross that finish line. Uh, it, it does get a little bit emotional watching uh, just the amount of work that they go through. But then you hear stories of a friend named Bonner Paddock who uh, had cerebral palsy and, mm-hmm. and has done all sorts of things to, to kind of raise awareness for it. And he completed an Ironman wow. with, uh, with, the, with cerebral palsy, yeah. which is uh, pretty amazing that he could do that. And watching him on TV finish mm-hmm. it is pretty amazing. So you see kind of the other end of it with guys that are barely guys and girls barely making it but then to watch people like matt running a marathon in two hours and 34 minutes after 112 mile bike ride (laughs) 2.4 mile swim it's unbelievable yeah and he was saying something about that if you are the finisher you are also there at the very end to give the medals and i just think about mentally too that's got to take some toughness like you're done you're finished but you, you know, you need to stay. And, and I think how encouraging to see if you're one of the last finishers to see the top finisher, there handing out medals. I think it's cool. So I really believe this episode is awesome. And so let's hop over and listen to Matt Hansen. Well, I am here with Matt Hansen, professional triathlete, five-time Ironman champion. I mean, come on now. This is amazing. How are you? 
I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. Well, you know what? I was just telling you before we hit record that Chad Smith, one of um, my good friends, was telling me all about you. And the more I learn, the more I've just become so fascinated with what you do and how you do it. So for our listeners who maybe don't know you, can you just give a snapshot of who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, like you said, I'm, I'm uh, Matt Hansen. I've been a professional triathlete for uh, since, I guess, 2014 is when I first started competing as a, as a professional. Uh, at that point, I was still uh, working full time. I uh, was a professor of exercise science at the University University. And um, and then I had uh, some successes, uh, I guess, early on in my career, which uh, prompted me to pursue this uh, dream full time. And um, so I walked away from being a professor um, six months away from tenure and (laughs) just uh, decided my wife and I decided that, um, you know, I don't want to look back and and wonder what if Um, I want to know, you know, if, if I can be as, as good as, as I hope I can. And, um, you know, one way or the other, um, at least I'll know. And yeah, so, uh, it hasn't necessarily been the smoothest journey since then. Um, but, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's definitely not where my wife and I thought our lives would be (laughs) at this point in the career. You know, she works at the university as well. And, and, kind of thought that you know I'd be tenured and we'd have some you know summers off and or right. you know, but uh you know the, it, it's been a lot of fun um and you know uh, the good days outnumber the bad so you're I doing something that. right yeah okay so for somebody who maybe isn't familiar with a triathlete or Ironman can you explain what that is Sure. Um, my the distance that I I've had the most success at is the full Ironman distance, which is a two point four mile swim, one hundred and twelve mile bike, and then a marathon to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a number of half Ironmans as well. Um, I think I've got four wins at that distance right now. Wow. Um, I, I race those more often because it doesn't take near as long to recover <laughs> from. But right. uh, typically, the full distance is is where. Um, I, I perform the best. That is so unbelievable. Like my jaw is dropped right now. I had to run like a 400 meter run this morning and I'm like, Oh man, that was hard. <laughs> so you were born to do this. Do you believe that? Like, have you, you always enjoyed, um, just excelling in sports? Is that something that's always been on your radar? Yeah. You know, I, I got the love of sports from my dad. Um, he's been a huge influence in my life and, and where I am right now. Um, but believe it or not, my, my focus, um, all through, uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, and into college was, was wrestling. Um, I did run, um, but I never really, you know, I played at the pool, but I didn't really swim or, or and definitely didn't bike competitively. Um, I did run, uh, cross country and track, but it was always just to try to be in as good a shape as possible for wrestling. Right. And uh, when I was a f- first year um, at uh, at, the, at college, I ended up dislocating my hip at the conference wrestling tournament, and which essentially ended my wrestling career. And, yeah. and so that's uh, you know triathlon for me started um, you know didn't start until I was working on my master's. Wow. Um, 
yeah. So, wow. yeah, it, it's always been a part of me, um, at least um, sports in some capacity. Yeah. Um, you know, the wrestling definitely, uh, I had to go through quite a, quite a change to get to yeah. where I'm at now. You know, at one point right. in my life, I did have some discernible muscle mass on me. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Well, what I keep thinking about and, you know, comparing it to my measly run that I did this morning, um, I think about the mental toughness that has to take place while you're running these races. I mean, it's not a short race. It's you're in there for the long haul. Can you talk to us about, obviously your the physical strength is something that you condition and you have to be an exceptional athlete to perform the way that you do. And I don't want to take anything away from that. But to me, thinking about the mental strength that you have is just as important um, to the physical strength. So how do you train yourself mentally to prepare for one of these races? Yeah, that, I mean, that's one uh, thing that so many people uh, neglect. Um, the, the mental component is just as important, and you have to train it um, just like you would train your body physically as well. And, uh, you know, I do almost all of my training alone, mm-hmm. um, which is tough at times, but I think it's also an asset at times because uh, really there's no distractions. I mean, it's right. great to, you know, when you have somebody to go on a, you know, five or six hour ride with you and you can just chat and just really enjoy, you know, the company. But uh, when it comes down to a lot of the harder sessions, I, I enjoy doing them on my own because you have to have that focus um, and, and you have to learn how to, um, how to, you know, stay in the moment. And, you know, if you have a bad 10 minute stretch or something like that, you have to learn to flush it and mm-hmm. just focus on the next interval or the next minute or the next mile or whatever you have to do to break it down to get through that workout. And, um, you know, especially when running, I do a lot of visualization, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I tend to keep the same courses going back to the same races over and over and over again. And, you know, that familiarity really allows me to um, be very um, uh, vivid in the visualization that I do um, leading into those races. And, you know, I, I've, I've done Ironman Texas, for example, um, I think six times now. Wow. And, but in my head, I've probably done it over a thousand, you know, when I'm running, I'm running on the course and picturing, you know, the posture that I'm going to have and the pace that I'm going to have and how I want to feel and what I'm going to do if things start to break down and, um, you know, and, and that preparation is, is essential, um, for, you know, being able to stay in the moment and stay present on race day as well. Oh, wow. I like that. So can I ask you a question? Like if I would pop in your head while you're racing, are you, you know, are you thinking, okay, my posture, my time, this turn, are you constantly thinking about what's next? Or do you go into a spot where you start? I mean, cause it's a long run. Are you constantly mm-hmm. thinking about the next thing or how your run is? Or do you think about, okay. And then after this race, I'm blah, 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 blah. Uh, no, you, you can't, you can't uh, do that. <laughs> you, you definitely can't drift. Yeah. Um, especially in the swim and on the bike, okay. um, in the swim, 
I am thinking, you know, after the first 500 meters, I'm thinking about the person's feet in front of them. And okay. if I'm not making him mad because I'm hitting him every time, I'm not wow. close enough to him. Okay. And so that's wow. all I'm thinking about is hitting his feet every single stroke. Wow. Um, like purposefully and, hitting his feet. Yeah. Not, so I like, mean, right. not trying to throw him off, but right. you, you get a benefit by drafting behind somebody yeah. in the swim. Yeah. And so, and, and so when you're in there, you lose focus for, for two seconds and you, you know, shoot off to the left or the yeah. right, you've lost your draft and you're just going to slingshot backwards. Yeah. And so, you know, the focus is a hundred percent on just, you know, feet yeah. um, for the first, you know, 50 minutes of the race. And then you get onto the bike and, um, there's a lot of tactics and a lot of dynamics that happen mm-hmm. on a bike. And so you have to be very aware of what's going on around you and really focused on that. Uh, we have a no drafting rule on the bike, and so we can't stay within 12 meters of the person in front of us. If we enter that zone, we have to pass. And okay. so, and there's marshals out on the course, and so you have to be very, very aware of where everybody is, how they're riding, when is going to be the best time to make a pass that's not going to waste a lot of energy and a lot of things like that. So um, the first the first two legs of, of the um, event are very much like just paying attention to what's going on around you. Right. Um, I typically breathe a sigh of relief when I get off the bike because then it's on me. Like if right. something goes wrong on the run, it's my fault. Yes. I can't, you know, I didn't get a mechanical no one, you know, slotted in in front of me or anything like that. I didn't get kicked in the face. You know, it's yeah. it's on me if something screws up on the run. And so, um, I like to I like that feeling. I like to be in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, then it's just about you know racing and and racing hard, focusing on getting the nutrition that I need, listening to my body. And, um, you know, just paying attention to who's running well, who's, you know, and where they're at right. in relation to you. I love that. So I, I just, I unpacked so much in what you were just talking about, but kind of going back to the, um, the drifting or were you calling it drifting or drafting? Yeah. Okay. Drifting. Um, so okay. like mentally drifting. Right. Is, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking about the drifting when you were saying that, I think that can, um, be with any of us with dreams and goals that we yep. have something that we want to do. And if we start letting our mind wander and not stay focused on where we're wanting to go, maybe building a business, writing a book, speaking, doing something. Um, if we start to drift, then other people pull ahead and we just mm-hmm. don't get as far. And so I just think that's incredible to think about you running and swimming and doing that same thing. Um, you were talking about being in the water, you know, just thinking about the person in front of you. Tell us about the run on the Texas Ironman in 2018 when you and another pro battled it out shoulder to shoulder for almost 24 miles. What does that look like? Like what was going on in your head during that race? Uh, yeah, that was a, that was a special day (laughs) for sure. Um, yeah, I, I had a, a good swim and, um, the best bike that I had had at that point um, you know, up to that day, um, you know, and, and so I was in a really, really good position and the weather conditions were absolutely perfect. And so, uh, I got off the bike knowing that it was going to be a fast day and, and I was going to have to run hard to, to have a chance for the win. Um, just also with the people who got off the bike right behind me. Um, and then the one guy that was up the road, maybe 10 seconds. And so, um, yeah, there was a guy from, 
uh, Russia, who I knew could run really well. Um, that was about 10 seconds up the road from me. And so I wanted to kind of make my presence known right away and try right. to do the work early and, and hope that uh, I could just get a gap and then make them chase me because right. that's a different mentality than than uh, chasing, I guess. And so yeah. I went to the front early on and, um, you know, I fully, you know, expected to to get a gap and, and I didn't. And he just kind of hung right there. And so, you know, for the first, and that was, you know, the first half mile, I'm like, okay, by 10 miles, he'll be gone. And he was still there. (laughs) And, um, you know, I was, I had, um, I had ran a 241 on this course before, which is, which is a fast marathon for running off the bike. Oh my gosh. Um, And and that average is a 606, 607, I think. Wow. And so my plan was to run um, six flats um, wow. for and just try to be as steady as possible. Uh, and at the, you know, the, it's a three loop course. So at the, the end of the first loop, I was averaging 540. Oh, and my, my coach is, you know, my coach was there and she was like, okay, Matt, it's time to just, you know, settle in, yeah. slow down, be smart. It's a right. long day. And, <laughs> and, but this guy wouldn't go away and I, I didn't want to give him anything. And, and right. um, so I, kept going thinking I would eventually he would he would break and I would get a little bit of a gap and then to the second lap um I was still averaging 540s and Unbelievable. Uh, you know my coach was like all right yep uh, <laughs> you've kind of made your bed now you got to deal yeah. with it <laughs> oh my gosh then, yeah and, and um you know he was still there at mile 20 you know 20 and by mile 22 things were starting to get really dark mm-hmm. I had you know ran beyond my fitness level for a long time. And, uh, then it, you know, my form started breaking down I started fighting off some cramps and, um, you know, I had no idea how much he was suffering. Right. Uh, you know, we didn't really speak the same language. So it right. was really, yeah. uh, you know, 20, it ended up being 25 and a half miles of, uh, him sitting in my back pocket, essentially with oh me having gosh. a half stride lead. 25 and a half miles yeah. And, um, literally, uh, mile 24, I'm like, uh, you know, I think he's going to pass me. I can't hold on. Mm-hmm. And, um, I ended up chewing the salt tablet that I had with me because I was desperate to yeah. try to get cramps off. And that was absolutely disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but by the time I finally got a little bit, it, it had a chance to kick in and I had maybe, uh, 15 steps where the cramps just went away completely. And I'm like, okay, it's now or never. And I put in a little bit of the surge and was able to get a small gap and, um, ended up, you know, as soon as I got, you know, five steps on him, it was like the elastic broke. And, and wow. I ended up, you know, in the last half mile, I think I put 20 seconds on him. Um, but you know, that, that was a very, very tough day. Um, yeah. It ended up being the fastest marathon ever um, ran off the bike. And um, Oh, and my gosh. Are you kidding me? That's incredible. No, yeah. <laughs> Were so, you like, I felt every minute of that? <laughs> um, you know, when I crossed the finish line, I it was a complete blur. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, my wife was waiting for me right at the finish line and she basically tackled me because she was so excited and nervous. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I remember my coach being just, you know, just going nuts. Um, but yeah, I, 
as soon as things kind of like the, the interview at the end of the race, I, I don't think I completed a single sentence. <laughs> um, but, you know, things settled in and, um, you know, honestly, it took me a long time after that, at least six weeks before I could do any, like wow. physically I was feeling fine, but just the ability to push in a, in a workout just it wasn't there right. like I had no like I had used all of my emotional given it all. on that day right and it took a long time to get to the point where I could you know put myself in a dark place again in a yeah. workout where things were really hurting or you know and, and the races that I tried to do right after that event you know um definitely definitely showed that I, I think it was about just about two months before I had a good race again. After that. Wow. Wow. But I can only imagine all the conversations in your head about this person that's so close to you for such a long time. I mean, that's a long time to be running your hardest and having somebody just nagging at you. That's really, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just incredible. <laughs> and his, his coach was on the course and, you know, I, you know, I knew he didn't speak very much English, the athlete, but his coach did. And so his coach was speaking to his athlete in English, trying to get into my head. And, oh. uh, you know, it was, it was, wow. it was, a, you know, I think back on that day, you know, and some of the things I remember are, are, were quite humorous in, in hindsight, <laughs> but at the time it was, uh, yeah, not, not so not, funny. <laughs> not, not so funny as you're running now is, was that his fastest time as well? Did you push him? Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. We both yeah. went under the current world yeah. record. Um, yeah. Yeah. on the marathon and on the overall time for an Ironman. So that's awesome. Um, Was there any yeah, sort I mean, of embrace after it? Like we uh, pushed each yeah, other? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, it takes to have a day that that's, that's, that is that fast. Yeah. It takes the perfect storm and, you know, if he's not there pushing me every step of the way, you know, I definitely don't go that fast that day. Right. And you know, and, and, you know, it was the same for him. Um, you know, and so, you know, there's definitely, you know, you, you hate each other on, on oh, the court, yeah, absolutely. but, but there, you know, we, we chat every time we, we, um, uh, you know, after the, after the race, I've, I've raced him a number of times and, mm -hmm. and we've, you know, had a few talks, but yeah, there was definitely a, a mutual respect. <laughs> I believe uh, it. For yeah. what was accomplished on that day. I bet you're sure. like, bud, let's not do that again. <laughs> like, please, yeah, I mean, let's he, not do that. <laughs> he's definitely not a, a guy that, you know, I look forward to getting yeah. in that situation just because I know, yeah. you know, some, some people, you know, that, okay, this is what it's going to take to, to get a gap on somebody, but, right. you know, uh, that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like it being that hard. <laughs> right, right. No, that's crazy. That's awesome. Okay, so something that I want to kind of pull back on that you talked about earlier um, was you had a career that you and your wife felt like that that was your goal um, to be a professor at the university, but you made a jump. And a lot of times people have ideas for businesses, but they're making a salary, they're in a comfort zone. And to make a jump is something Thing that's hard to wrap our brains around. How did you decide I'm leaving what I thought I was going to do for something that I'm dreaming for? Oh man, that was such a, such a difficult conversation uh, or such a difficult decision to make. Um, so in 2015, I had won Ironman Texas, which is the North American championship. Um, and so, which is the same race that we just talked about. Right. Same, okay. Same course, different year. Okay. Um, and so that was kind of, 
it had been something that was on the back of my mind, like, uh, hey, you know, what if? But right. I, I didn't really give it a lot of mental space. Um, right. I didn't want to think too much about it. But I, I won this race, um, and then th- it's early May, and I had to drive back. So when you win an Ironman, you stay on course until midnight and you give one of the honors of the sport is the winner gets to give out the finisher medals to the last hour of people that finish. And so that makes me want to cry. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So that's nine hours after my race, like my race is eight hours ish and you know, there's a 17. And so, (laughs) you know, you're on, on the race site for a long time. And so I finally got home or back to the, where I was staying around, um, maybe one thirty in the morning and I was in the pool at 6am the next morning mm. had, you know, no sleep, gave my uh, award speech at the, at the award ceremony, then drove 17 and a half hours back home oh my overnight gosh. to, oh. um, go straight to the classroom. I, I went straight mm. to the, um, university showered, changed there, taught seven, eight, or taught eight, nine, 10 and 11 o'clock classes. Right. And I'm sure there were dynamite lectures. Uh, <laughs> but that was, you know, that, that long drive home, I spent a lot of time talking to my coach at the time and, you know, talking with my wife and, and praying about things a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I really kind of came to the realization that I was burning the candle at both ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't continue to do that. So I really had to decide if I wanted to, find out how good I could be in the sport or if I wanted to, um, you know, continue and just kind of keep it as a hobby. And, um, you know, it wasn't easy. My wife supported the decision, but it definitely wasn't easy for either of us. Um, And I made the decision to go full time as a triathlete and then proceeded to have the worst year after that. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I crashed at the world championships. Um, and, and then I came back to Texas in 2016 and I was in, uh, basically a situation where very similar to what I was in 2018, but I was the one chasing Okay. and I was in third place with two miles to go and I could see second place in front of me and it was a 105 degree day. And I said, Oh, my body has one more push. And mm. my mind said yes. And my body said no. And I passed out. Oh my um, god! And so, yeah, I ended up, uh, going from second to lying on the ground in a fetal position, hugging a two liter bottle of Coke, which was not one of my better moments. (laughs) Um, Wow. Wow. And then I went to Australia as my kind of last chance to qualify for the world championships Mm -hmm. that year and ended up crashing there uh, as well. And so basically I went the whole year with literally no income. Um, and I had the opportunity to go back to the university in 20, uh, at the beginning of fall of 2016, um, but made the choice to stick it out and, um, and really had to have a mind shift. Um, I went from where triathlon was my stress reliever to Mm. the only you know, cause of stress that I had and I wasn't having fun. And yeah. so when I shifted back to having fun, then the results started coming again. Yeah. And, you know, as long as I've kept that mindset and that focus, um, you know, it, it's not always easy, right. um, especially when a sport is your job. 
Um, but the more that I can focus on that, the the more fun that I have. And when I'm having fun, I tend to race a little better. That is so awesome. I love that. I think it's so interesting how God does like put that whisper in your heart. Like, no, I know there's more for me. It's scary to jump, but I know I can do it. But then to see right after you make that choice, like, okay, God, I thought this is where I was supposed to go. And then not having a great year, but then turning it Mm -hmm. around significantly. Like that's just a lot to process all in itself, but, but you have overcome it a lot and have made just a huge impact in the sport, which is so incredible. But it sounds like your wife plays a huge part of this too. Tell me about her and how her influence helps you to keep pushing forward. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can't do anything without, um, the support of your loved ones around you. And, you know, that first and foremost starts with my wife. Um, it's tough. I, I travel a lot. Um, she's, uh, at home a lot, um, by herself and that makes it, you know, it's definitely, like I said, not what we planned when Mm -hmm. we got married and, and, um, there's, you know, it's been, uh, we've had to learn how to make that work. Um, but she's never wavered in the support. Um, you know, there's been tough times, but she's always the number one fan, the number (laughs) one supporter. And and it's always, you know, like there is no better feeling than, um, at, at all of my Ironman wins, she's been the person that's greeted me at Mm, the finish line. And, (laughs) And that, you know, even at Ironman Boulder this year, she told me she wasn't going to be able to make it um, mm. because of work. And as I was getting into the water um, on race morning, I saw her. She had drove with my sister overnight to get there wow. without telling me. And, um, you know, just. Yeah. So, That's I mean, she's incredible. She's, that, she's, that gives me goosebumps. She's a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love and, that. You know, yeah. And wow. I ended up having, you know, that was uh, a a good race for me that, and again, just being able to meet her yeah. at the finish line is, is the most addicting feeling. In the world. <laughs> I love that. And I bet she loves that too. That is so incredible. Okay. So Kona is a huge race. Is it the world championship? Is that? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. So tell me about that. You, you've experienced it, correct? Uh, yes. I, I've, <laughs> uh, spent, I've been there, um, five times okay. so far. And unfortunately, uh, the two best races I've had there were when I was still an amateur. Um, okay. I, I haven't put te- put together a great race there as a professional. Okay. Uh, I crashed in 2015, um, and then in 2017 and in 2018, I uh, just haven't. Yeah, 2017, I was sick going into the race and and uh, probably overtrained a little bit in the lead up, and then 2018, I just I didn't put the race together. And, right. And um, uh, so um, yeah, I mean that's that's where all of my goals in the sport lead to. And, um, you know, I, I think I have what it takes to be a world champion. Mm -hmm. Um, I just have to, um, keep, uh, finding out ways that, uh, I guess I found out three ways so far that don't work. (laughs) I've got a, I've got another opportunity this October to, to go see if I can put together the race plan that, uh, puts me, uh, near the point in at the end of the day. God, I'm so excited for you. So that's October 12th, correct? Yes. In Hawaii and just an experience. I mean, we watched it on TV too. And I mean, my husband and I, it's like, he didn't cry much, but when that race comes on and you're seeing the effort that everybody puts forth, plus those who, you know, 
I don't know, make it in and they're barely making it or not mm-hmm. making the time. It's just an emotional thing to watch and to know that the winner of that is the world champion. And so I'm just so excited to be able to follow along and um, see how well you're doing. And I just think it's so it's so mind boggling what you're able to put together. And so I'm definitely cheering you on for that. So you're also a coach um, in, is it more like all of, I mean, a running coach and a biking coach and a swim coach, right. But it, it encompasses so much more. What, what, how do you help athletes that want to get to your caliber? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've have a coaching business, which i started right around the time that I stopped working at the university and really it, it, you know, I went to school for eight years to learn about the human body. And, yeah. and so coaching is, it's a way to, you know, um, give back to the profession, I think. And it's also a way to make a impact on a lot of people. And, and it gives me some contact with the outside world that right. I don't always <laughs> get when I'm training alone here in Iowa, but, right. um, it, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy, um, you know, helping people to, you know, not make the mistakes that I've made along the way and, and, um, just learn how to be their best uh, selves, I guess. And, you know, for some that's, that's getting as fast as possible. And for others that I coach, it's just getting to the finish line and, you know, accomplishing a big goal that they had, uh, just to finish or, you know, for some it's, it's a health thing. They want to become healthier. Right. right. And so there's a lot of different goals, uh, the athletes that, that, uh, I work with or that the coaches that work under me work with. Um, and, and it's our job to, to use the time that they give as efficiently as possible, but never lose sight that, you know, it's, it's the athletes goals that we're trying to reach. And, you know, for some, maybe that's not, you know, just performance. It's, right. it's, health or wellness or yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. I love that. I think if I walked up to you and I started running, you'd be like, okay, I think you're a dancer and not a runner because I am a dancer, <laughs> but I'm thinking like, are, do some people just come to you and you're like, yeah, uh, triathlon's not really going to be your thing. I mean, you probably don't say it cause you're a nice guy and a great coach, but are there, I mean, there's makeup that goes into people that you're like, okay, this guy right here he's got what it takes or this woman, she has what it takes. Are there some people that you're just like, Hey, this is just not going to work out for you. No, there's no. not. I mean, if, if you were to go to one of these races and, and watch, um, especially the last couple hours of the race, the, mm-hmm. the physiques of the individuals who are finishing, they're all over the place. Yeah. And, and that's really got what got my wife into, um, into the sport. My wife does Ironman. She now does well. Ironman. Wow. Yeah, she does that's one so cool. Year and, and, you know, we would go back to the final hour and, you know, I would be, we were kind of in separate places because I'd be in the, uh, at the finish line giving the finisher medals and she would just be kind of watching and enjoying the environment. And the last hour is really a party and right. it's just celebrating people that it was going to be a big stretch for them to finish. And they did. And, yeah. you know, some of them are, you know, are, have a, a physical handicap. Some of them uh, just never were involved in athletics or some were sprinters turned, you know, or crossfitters turned endurance athletes. Um, you know, it's all over the board and, and really it's just a good, uh, way to see that if you put your mind towards something, uh, you anybody can get to the finish line and to see the emotion that so many people have 
in that last hour, you know, I've had people that obviously I've never met before, like in my arms crying. <laughs> I've been thrown up right. on in the last hour. I mean, it's just it's, wow. it's an incredible experience yeah. at, at the finish line. Um, really, it is. And, you know, any anybody who gets a chance to go back um, or to watch one of these events, mm. obviously watch watch the, the pros because that's what uh, keeps my, you know, keeps my uh, profession relevant. But right. <laughs> definitely, definitely stick around and, and watch the emotions yeah. uh, that, you know, you, you'll get uh, you'll get tied up in the sport really yeah. fast. God, I love it. Well, that's what we have some friends, um, Michael Milam and Chad Smith, that they drank the Kool-Aid. And it was one of these things. Actually, we we laugh because my husband <clears throat> and um, and one of our friends were like, let's try this local triathlon. And I'm like, what are you doing? You don't even own a bike, you know, and they start doing this triathlon. And then but but Adam kind of they just did it check a box and but Milam, he drank the Kool-Aid and then he joined a group and then he got a coach and then he's like, doing these Ironman. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, what happened? I thought this was just something, but people do get addicted to it. And, and I think there's such emotion and after a great workout, like, I mean, I can only imagine the way you feel and looking over your Instagram pages, like I could cry looking at some of this. There's a picture of you and your wife hugging. And it's just that moment of like, we did it type thing. And mm -hmm. I think just that, the fact that you guys do that together and get to do life together that way, although you're, you know, probably at different speeds and, you know, different things in life, but I just love it. And I love that it's a good thing for the body and, and so many life lessons in just the conversation with you. I just, I'm blown away by you and I'm really excited for the races you have coming up. And so I just want to thank you for your time today and really pouring into our listeners to know that they are destined for greatness and they set their mind to something, even if somebody's around them for 25 and a half miles that they can do it. <laughs> so thank you so much, Matt. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Again. Uh -huh. Hey, it's Sarah Noose. And I believe that you are destined for greatness. Do you have a dream inside of you? You think about wanting more out of life? Well, I have seen incredible life change happen all across the country by women who have signed up for my four-week accountability group. I would love to offer you the opportunity for real life change. Head on over to saranoose.com and sign up. There's limited spots available, but I would love to get to know you, have you join, and watch you conquer your dreams. If this podcast was helpful, it would mean the world to me to have you rate it, review it, and share it on social media. Social media is a big place, and to reach more people, I would love your help. Thank you for joining us today, and remember, you are destined for greatness.